Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Before we get going with today's podcast, I wanted to point out a few things that you're going to hear from Coach Highland about Uh, Number one, he's going to talk a lot about consistency and how his program has been built by teaching the fundamentals and staying consistent from the fifth grade on up. That's one of our pillars of the football development model. We want to teach in a progression. We want to teach consistently what players should learn as they grow through the game. Coach is going to talk about safety and the aspects of being able to play a better, safer game through teaching the proper technique through keeping the head out of the game. And certainly he's going to talk about the importance of coaching. And so we wanted to point those out before we got into that. Please push your youth football community over to our Football for All podcast, which highlights all those things and helps you build your program from the youth level on up. You can find all the information on that at fdm.usafootball.com. Enjoy today's podcast. I am honored to be joined today by... Uh, an incredibly successful coach over his career. He has 477 wins, 107 losses, two ties, going into his 50th season, 17 state championships, 26 state final appearances. And uh, we're going to learn about what's really uh, pushed Coach along and driven him to 50 years now and and probably even longer as he's planning it. But uh, joining me is the head football coach, at St. Mary's Springs in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, Coach Bob Hyland. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your program. Coach, uh, so much to go over here. Uh, 50 seasons. You started, you told me before we got going, started coaching in 1971. You've certainly seen a lot over your times, but uh, let's go back to the beginning for you. And, and what was it that made you want to enter this profession and become a football coach and educator? Well, you know, like most kids coming out of high school, all I wanted to do was play, you know, football in college, and it was right in the Vietnam era. And um, so I, I got a scholarship to North Dakota State where, as a freshman, my freshman coach was Ardell Wiegand, who ended up in the pros, uh, coaching in the pros and in Canada for years. But I saw what he was doing with the young kids, and I decided uh, that would be something I'd like to do. I had no clue what I wanted to do uh, after after college. Um, I just was there to play football. And so consequently, um, I stayed on it as a year, worked as a grad assistant for spring ball, two spring balls, and in the fall with Ardell Wigan as a linebacker coach um, and offensive line coach with the freshmen. But uh, that's where I started learning football, and I was very pleased to get a job to start off with. And, of course, once you start a job, take over a program uh, in a town I really wasn't even familiar with, we started off very well. We went one win, 15 losses, and two ties. That's my first two years of coaching. Um, I started developing a getting together a staff where I did not have anything that first couple of years. And once we put the staff together, I said in four or five years, I originally put four years, um, we'll be a championship program. And it stayed. We, we missed out in that fourth year by going to the playoffs. And then in 1975, 
through 79, the next uh, four years, we ended up in the state championship game and lost all four of them. But that was the turnaround right there. Coach, that one fifteen and 2 a lot of times will chase, chase somebody out of this profession. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> for you, what, what were the things, you know, as you guys worked through that, and, you know, a young coach, but what were the key things in that turnaround? Well, I guess the nuns allowed me to hire a staff. And so I brought back some people that I had uh, played with and, and coached at North Dakota State. One in particular was Pat Simmers, who um, was with us uh, for a year or so and went back and hooked on with Don Morton and became the offensive coordinator at Tulsa and the University of Wisconsin um, in, their, in their programs. So he came, he, he came, and so once I got that staff put together, uh, having a good line coach, a good offensive line coach, a good quarterback coach, and so on. We were able to develop the kids and using our program. And our playbook hasn't changed in 50 years. Uh, a few years we went to a, um, a double slot set, but we're a twin back here. The same thing we did back in co- I did in college, where um, you might be familiar with the name Ron Earhart, who was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. He was doing the Patriots and then the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers when they won several uh, national or several pro football uh, championships. But uh, that's, that's had me going. Um, it's been an easy run. Uh, once I got the staff together, if one left, I was able to um, bring in somebody that was uh, a teacher coach and in Nowadays, there's very few teacher coaches left in our in our programs in the state. So most of my coaches have played for me. I went on to play college football and um, uh, been very successful. We have a, a young wide receiver coach um, named Kyle Jefferson, uh, Columbus, Ohio, or uh, Cleveland, Ohio native, and he played at wide receiver at Wisconsin, and yeah. he's been helping us out for three years now. So uh, you know, bringing people like that in brings knowledge. And uh, I think I have like seven of my coaches have played college football somewhere. And so that's a lot of knowledge that we have. And so we always say if things are equal, I think we can all coach them. <laughs> well, Coach, the the twin bag veer is certainly a big part of that. And we could maybe get into a little bit of that later. But looking at the – the, the pillars of your program, the things you really built upon that are, you know, part of your philosophy, your, your strongest beliefs, what are those? Well, I think, first of all, it's, it's toughness. Um, strength, you know, when you get the kids committed to the weight program, and we were way ahead of times back in the 70s and early 80s before these the schools started developing um, their own weight program. We were very disciplined in the right away from day one that we would take the kids in regularly into the weight room after practice or before practice. And so I think we were way ahead of um, people in that era in weight training. Um, Things passed us by, and now I think with the new weight room we have uh, that we are catching up and doing a very good job. That's one of the things. And when when they're strong kids, they 
they develop tough mental uh, ability. And so consequently, uh, our kids are basically fearless. They, they go out there. We don't have sometimes a whole lot of talent. Um, but these kids will, will hit you. They'll do what we ask them to. And uh, we're right now blessed with a, a group of kids that uh, are very committed, um, and it shows. We have a young sophomore who will be a junior this year that has been offered a scholarship from both uh, Ohio State and um, Notre Dame and many of the other Big Ten schools. So we're very proud of what they have accomplished. And we only do that through the weight room, through hard work, and that's where our success is. is you know, we're very old-fashioned. These, these people have come back after 25 years and watch us, and these scripts, I can call most of the plays, Coach. <laughs> coach, in looking at that, um, that idea of of being old fashioned, fifty years, you've you've seen a lot of change. Um, uh, I mean, in the game, in the rules, uh, in in the offenses, defenses, changes in, I guess, the kids' approach. For you, I guess, how have you navigated that, and what has been the constant for you that you've been able to take what you call this old school approach fifty years later and still have that success? Well, I'm an old lineman, and so consequently, uh, the consistency of our program has has been in the offensive line, where we have uh, experienced some great kids coming out and and developing a program. But there, that's one of the things when we talk old school, it's lining up on the line of scrimmage, defeating your purpose, defeating your man across from you, um, rules, assignments. Those things are so important that uh, we can't have breakdowns. Once you do, you, you destroy the play. So consequently, going back as many years as I have, uh, it's still the discipline on the offensive line that has made us a great program. We've gotten by with kids that uh, can't run very fast or are not very big, but when we're pulling it off on the line, creating holes in the line of scrimmage, uh, you, you can develop a program. And, of course, we played great defense. Last year in the playoffs, uh, in five games, uh, the only team to score on us was in the first game after it was 60-something. So you go five games of shutout football in the playoffs, uh, that's a lot of toughness. That's a lot of uh, air-free football. And so that's one of the things that we, we preach and we coach, too, is do not make mistakes. The, the people around you are counting on you, and if one person – Airs, the whole team airs. So uh, we've got to be together and the kids communicate and talk and being in a private school like we are, uh, we've got a lot of very good kids that uh, will communicate with each other and, and they hang out. They, they're, they're friends. They're buddies. This is a team that's uh, on and off the field. Coach, that idea of mistake-free football is something that just about every coach talks about, but a uh, few few are able able to find the consistency in that. Uh, when you look at the way you train your players, whether it's starting it in the weight room or things that you do on the field, what do you feel have have been the things that really allow you guys to accomplish that to be able to to play air free football? Well, consistency. The, like I mentioned, the coaches, many of them have played for me. They they know what to expect. I'm, I'm still a lot of old school, uh, get in a kid's face and get after them and um, tell them like it is. If you're not doing a job, I'd let them know that. 
but one of the things, you know, we really stress with our coaching staff is that let me do the, um, let me be the big mouth and bitch at them. Uh, you guys are their position coach and you got to follow them a little bit. But so we have a pretty good system. One of the things that we really, really emphasize is that uh, the kids uh, need somebody to talk to, and that's where their position coaches are. Uh, I, I've gotten old, and consequently I'm a little bit distanced from them. But uh, one of the things that has really been consistent throughout uh, uh, my 49 years is the, the playbook. The offensive playbook in particular hasn't changed much. Uh, the kids know what to expect. They, they run the same stuff in, that we are on the varsity, uh, on the grade school level. We have a um, youth program. We, uh, we start them in we have a fifth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade team in the Catholic system here. And then when they move up, uh, they're, they're familiar with the plays. They're familiar with our terminology. Um, it's just been that way. And I think that's probably one of the things. Oh, yeah, you look at a lot of these coach teams that come out in a shotgun, throwing the ball over the place. And I asked one one day, I said, why you do it? Well, it's fun. It's fun to throw the ball over the place. Okay. But it's not fun to be 500 when you get a lot of talent. Um, and so consequently, uh, we think we could be 500 or better with no talent. And so we work hard at that. We be consistent. We run the football first. We'll throw the ball when we want to. That's one of the things. So um, I think just the, the old school mentality is don't change unless something needs to be changed. And uh, I, I went my life. One of my first um, clinics, I saw a speech by Hayden Fry. It was titled Scratch Where It Itches. And I had no idea what he was going to talk about. And I got in there, and it's the same old thing. Run the same play until they adjust, and then you have to adjust. But if they don't adjust, continue doing the same thing over and over again. I think that's one of the things that we have been successful at. We'll do that. And I don't get to call the plays anymore because I'd call the outside rear 10 times in a row at the same kid, uh, especially if he's making a mistake, to make sure that he – got it right. Um, so they don't want me to do that anymore. My coaching staff just says, you just, you just sit back and watch. Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Coach with, um, you know, going back to that approach, you know, kind of, as you explained it, I thought, all right, uh, good, good cop, bad cop. And you kind of taking on that role of, um, you know, maybe some of the discipline with, with, uh, the kids, uh, over the years and, have you seen that change? I mean, I talked to quite a few coaches who talk about how that's different than it used to be. Um, I guess, how have, have you viewed that and have you made any adjustments along the way in that regard? I have to have adjustments. Yes. I used to be, um, very vocal, very physical with the kids. I'm still pretty vocal, but, uh, you know, I'm 73 years old. Every time you jump around and move, you, you hurt a little bit more. So it makes it, it. It has changed me. It has changed me a lot over the over that course of time. But uh, most of my coaching staff is not in the school system, and so they come in from all over after work, and um, they're having fun. They they do it not not for the money. They do it for the love of the game. They've gotten something to give back like I did. I would not have had a college education if it wasn't for football. 
And so I always started, I said, I've got to give back to what I've got. Um, and so there's one of the things that our coaching staff is very um, conscious of is that they're doing this for fun. And so they want to have fun. And they, they work hard, but yet the kids uh, respect them. And so consequently, we're not in the daily discipline of the kids at school. Only our, our quarterback coach or uh, offensive coordinator, Kyle Krieger, is, is working with them in school all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice situation. You know, if you have a bad day at work, you get to come to practice. And, well, yeah, some days it's a little tougher, but most of the time they look forward to coming to practice to leave their life of work and hard and trouble behind them and come back, come to practice and have some fun. And when you're winning like we are, it, it becomes a lot, it is a lot of fun. It really is. It's love to see the kids succeed. I guess that's one of the biggest things that in my life is to see a, a young man who does not have a whole lot of God-given talent to work hard and be successful, even though he's undersized, has lack of speed. Um, but I rejoice mostly in seeing the underdog achieve. You've, you've talked uh, quite a bit about your coaches now and that they have big responsibilities in your, your program, not only for uh, taking care of these kids and, and dealing with some of that individual uh, side of things, player-to-coach relationships, um, but also that you've, you've turned over you know, the, the calling of the offense, the defense, those kinds of things. And uh, you've, you've talked about how you're consistent and that people could sit in the stands and, and call the plays because they were doing them you know, 50 years ago. Do, you, do your coaches come back with uh, a lot of new ideas? I mean, we just went through a period here with, with the shutdown where there, was multiple, uh, there were multiple online clinics going on every single day, a ton of information being shared. And, you, know, you go back to even 20 years ago, like you didn't get much outside of what you could get at an in-person clinic. Now, just all this knowledge being shared. Uh, is there any, ever any pressure to, you know, to, to make any changes uh, along those lines with what you guys are doing on the field? At times, you know, there has been uh, suggestions of change and why don't we do this? Um, we had a young man who, was a, a very good quarterback, we, and we practiced um, in our contact days uh, and in you know, the shotgun to think we could do the read option out of the shotgun and everything. And I asked him afterwards. He went on to start for uh, UW-Stevens Point for three years at quarterback and was uh, outstanding there. And I just asked him, which do you prefer? He said, I like the under center. And so that was the only time we really thought about going into the gun and changing things. Um, we've had a couple of outstanding quarterbacks in our system here uh, go through, and but it just it hasn't been right. We're an option football team, and that's what we stayed. And that, but the coaches will bring things up. I remember coming back from a clinic where all they talked about was the gun and so on. And halfway home, I pulled off the side of the road and stopped. And these guys are talking about all that what they're going to do and so on. And I said, "Well, guys, I guess when you get a new head coach, then uh, we can you can change things." And they looked at me, and that's about all they ever said. So nothing else was brought up. We stayed with what we do best, 
and it's unique because not too many people do it. So consequently, every time we play an opponent, uh, they're seeing something different than they're normally practicing. And consequently, you're going against a, a, a option football team. You've got to be very, very disciplined on that defense. And uh, some of our schools aren't that don't, don't do a very good job that way. And it might be the only time all year that they see that kind of a, a option, triple option, run at them. And so we sort of look at it and say, we don't need to change until they can stop us. And they haven't been able to do that in recent years. When you look at uh, all the, the changes on defense, and, and some of these are, I mean, you could probably point back, oh, that was actually called this defense way back when. You know, little changes here and there, but uh, have there been things defensively as you guys have, have gone over the years, especially it seems over like over the last, let's say, decade or so, there certainly has been a trend towards uh, teams built to stop spread uh, spread spread offenses. Um, anything there that you guys have have looked at in terms of adjustments to the different things you might see? You know, I never thought of it. You know, but we just evolved as the offenses evolved. I remember back in I think it was the early '80s, my defensive coordinator and I went to a clinic put on by the University of Michigan, where the offense or defensive coordinator came on, talked about what they do an overview, then the line coach, linebacker, defensive back coach came on and presented the program, what they do, and then they tied it all together. We looked at each other when we left that, and he says, we do everything else. When they were talking, the OP defense, the Oklahoma defense, we do everything they're doing. Our terminology is different, but they don't do a thing that we don't do. So we thought right there, patted ourselves on the back and um, said, you know, we're doing things right. And that's what I wanted to go to check on uh, to see how we could change. And it, as teams went into the gun more, we have to play more defensive backs than uh, linemen. Uh, we always, for 25, 30 years, we were uh, 52 defense. Uh, and we just worked with that and evolved. But now there's sometimes we will play uh, three-man front, a two-man front, uh, four-man front, five, six-man fronts, all in the same uh, half of the game. I know one day my one of my defensive coaches came off and said, yep, we got them so confused, we played six different defenses in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, when people, they, how can you adjust for that? So you have to go by assignments on offense. And one of the things that we do, which a lot of people don't do, we like, around here anyway, we like to go bump coverage and destroy them off the line of scrimmage, just get them out of their route a little bit, and it causes a lot of problems with high school kids uh, on their route. They like to run free. They do not like to get hit, um, especially wide receivers. They don't like sometimes to get uh, pushed around a little bit, and so that's one of the things that we've done, a, I think, a very good job on is getting our cornerbacks and linebackers on people out in the flat and taking them out of their route by bumping inside or outside and getting the help knowing that they're going to go a particular direction. Uh, yeah, we have to change. We, we have changed so dr dramatically with our defensive packages. Um, 
and you know, I just I just let that go. I've had Sean Laughlin was a linebacker at North Dakota State, and he was my defensive coordinator for about 40 years. Now he's retired and and living a good life in Florida. Um, but uh, the young Zach Wilderman has taken over, and through his knowledge of uh, from Laughlin and his own knowledge, has created a, a, a great defensive package that the kids buy into and I don't care what you do if the kids buy into it you can be successful and if kids believe in it and no matter what we do they think they're going to be successful on it. Coach from the the defensive side of things now I know you said you you started with you know the Oklahoma defense the 5-2 back then uh, are there still principles of that you guys have maintained or has your defense maybe evolved a lot more than uh, you know what you guys do on the other side of the ball? In principle, I think a lot of it is the same. Uh, I still coach and work with the linebackers, especially the inside linebackers, and we like to read the guards. We like to uh, take our first step to the outside to get the deep flow of the offense pinch it in, run to the football. Um, we sometimes get hurt with the pass because we're a little more too aggressive with our linebackers. We don't give our corners and defensive back enough help because we want our kids always to be stepping up. So our first things as a linebacker is make sure you step up to the outside and get the ball and try to keep the ball inside you where you have a lot more help and run to the football. And so sometimes we get caught uh, doing that too hard and and we just uh, you know there's not much change in that so a lot of things that we're way back we still do um, there's a lot of techniques that uh, have been outlawed have changed over the years but uh, we're still reading the same the same keys uh, trying to get after people we like uh, gap penetration on our offensive line um, and we shift people around. Uh, we've got a young man uh, that uh, will be a junior next year. He's been offered by Notre Dame and Ohio State. And all over. It, we're going to move him around. Wherever their best people are, you'll find him. Uh, we think he can control, and if he can get double teamed and triple teamed, that leaves other kids open to get there. So we change up a lot. Uh, every week we, we design defenses for the offense, um, some of them are special just for that particular game. Others we pull out from all of them. But I've got a great defensive coaching staff. Um, they really do a, a fantastic job of getting the kids in the right position to be successful. That's all we can ask. Coach, as, as the uh, linebackers coach, one thing you've had to deal with more recently here is the offense is trying to conflict your guys with run and pass now with the RPO. How have you dealt with that in coaching up the linebackers? You know, you have to you have to show them what they're doing in practice. And our kids are pretty knowledgeable uh, of down-and-distance situations. Um, you, you've got to stop the run. That's number one. Uh, you have to stop the run first or, you know, they're just going to continue. But overall, we really don't change a whole lot. Um, the kids have to be athletes. They have to be able to uh, run to the football. They have to be able to drop back. Uh, so, again, it's showing them constantly 
of what your opponent is doing and, and work to it. Uh, our practices are set up half as our drills are set up half is going to be uh, to stop to run and half is footwork for the pass. And so uh, with what we do, we, we see nowadays is, is uh, that the shotgun read option and too many coaches have gone to the gun because everybody else and they don't understand it. And so uh, a wing key, all of a sudden a wing key coach uh, switches into the gun. I, you, you can't tell me that they're going to be real knowledgeable about all the reads and how to do the how to do things out of the gun um, when you were a wing key coach. So it takes evolving, and we just you know we'll evolve differently when I'm gone. But not, until then, we'll stay the same. Coach, looking at your your offense here, the one question that came up, and I made a note of it. I, I wanted to go back to this. Um, I know. I'll see teams, uh, I, I can think of one particular in our area that, you know, they go to uh, the the veer offense, you know, under center veer offense, and, you know, the, the, the quarterback there all of a sudden his parents are worrying about kid being recruited. And I'm sure over the years you've had a lot of guys, you mentioned, you know, a guy potentially going to a Big Ten school or Notre Dame right now. Uh, you've had a, a lot of guys recruited out of your system. Um, do we worry, do, do we worry too much? I think coaches and maybe, you know, I'm certainly parents about, you know, what offense or defense these kids are running at the high school level versus just, you know, going out there playing as hard as you can, having fun and, and letting the, the, the college coaches sort that out. Well, we're, we're a small school. And so consequently we've had some kids go to the big 10, but uh, generally, we might only have uh, three to five kids that are interested in going on and play college football. Um, there are many years where we don't have a kid that can even play at the Division II level. So we do not have uh, that type of an athlete. Our kids are at a Catholic high school here for the academics first. And so uh, the recruiting situation, I don't, we don't have a, a big deal with that. The injury situation. Um, we have been very, very fortunate that uh, you teach the fundamentals of the game the right way, and, and kids basically stay uh, injury-free. Last year, we had our, our fullback um, got injured in about the fourth game of the season right off the bat. It made us a better football team because it made other kids step up, and consequently, we had to play a lot more kids. He was off for like uh, six or seven weeks, and um, it just made us a better football team because kids had to rally to that. Injury-wise, parents will say something like that to me, and I said, well, tell them not to, you've got to put them in a bubble, tell them not to skateboard, tell them not to uh, drive his bike, because whenever you do something, you got the chance of getting injured. Football, all right, we do not do a whole lot of contact in, in practice. And consequently, uh, we give out what we call the candy bar award, which at the end of the season, we give it to the big candy bar, Hershey bar, by the way, <laughs> to the boy who had to be assisted off the field, the first boy to be assisted off the field. We played 14 games last year. We never gave out that candy bar. So we never stopped a game 
for any of our injuries. We had a kid sprain his ankle on our sideline, and he crawled off just because he, he looks up and says, I don't want that candy bar. <laughs> so it's a fun thing like that. But uh, he, he just taped it up and went back in later on. But even the boy who, um, um, Marcus, when he sprained his ankle, he hobbled off, got treated. He thought he could go back in, but it was it was a high ankle sprain, so he, he was unable to. But we're, we're pretty much injury-free. We um, teach the kids to keep the head out of the game. And we did not have an injury on, in our whole program last year. Uh, I, I'm sorry, a concussion in our whole program last year. And so I'm, I, those are things that I'm really proud of, that we're able to teach the kids the basic fundamentals of the game to keep them safe. And our parents see that. And that's one of the things I emphasize uh, in our meeting when I talk about the Candy Bar Award, uh, how many injuries we've had, and and that we always have a trainer there, and he takes care of those. And so I'm proud of some of the things that the rules have changed, mm-hmm. um, has made it safer for the game. And I think the coaches, if they'll work hard on on form tackling, on blocking and tackling, and keep the head out of the game. We're going to have a safe, successful season, and the game of football is going to continue. But some of them who continually, um, you see that in college, it's getting less and less, use the head as a weapon, uh, they're losing. They're going to lose out, and the game of football will lose out accordingly. Coach, you've brought up safety a couple times now, and just the the way you approach the game, some simplicity in what you do but also the consistency you've talked about how uh, you know the the youth programs the fifth sixth seventh graders on up are are running your systems in your area you know your offense and defense do you feel it's the the combination that consistent coaching along with the simplification of what you guys do that the kids can go out and perform that uh, very adeptly and be, and because of that, they stay away from the injury? I, I happen to think so. I mean, you, you know, when, you know, the old saying, he who hesitates gets their butt kicked. And any time you're thinking and hesitating during the play, if I'm doing this right or am I blocking the right guy, there's a chance you're going to pause, not be as quick and not be as aggressive, and there's a more chance for you to get hurt. Um I do believe that repetition, repetition, which is knowing and going full goal uh, all the time will be an opportunity for them to have less injuries. Uh, so constantly that's what we, we teach, we um, profess, is that do it hard. If you're going to make a mistake, go through with it, we'll correct it. But uh, I think the kids who, who hesitate or one of the things, shy away. If you all of a sudden are not going to tackle that uh, big fullback from the other team or uh, you're getting your butt kicked, and if you shy away, that's when you're going to get in your body in a, a position. Uh, they'll hear me, especially early in the season, about get your legs out of the game. Go in and your legs have got How many go in to make a tackle and their feet are in front of their chest, and they get blown on their back, and there goes a knee or something like that. So we, we really preach, get that shoulder pad in, get low, go through the 
to the ball carrier, go through the tackle, and there's not an opportunity for you to get hurt. I never know an injury is going to come. And if I did, I'll keep the kid out of the game that play. But uh, you, you never know. And so that's what I talk to the parents. You never know what's going to happen. So let's play the game to the fullest. Let's enjoy our high school days because not very, very many of our kids are going to go on to play college football. Coach, from the offensive side of the ball, I know there's been more and more focus on making sure that we're keeping the head out of the game on that side too. And I know that's been a, a change over time, changing the rules. Cause I, I'm thinking back, I want to say the last year that you couldn't use hands as an offensive lineman in high school was, was my senior year it was 1987. And then the Federation changed, changed the rules and hands blocking was allowed. Um, so there's been changes over time in, in blocking technique, um, in, in coaching points. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of stuff was taught with hat and hands. And, and basically, as you said it, we want to remove the head as a tool for contact. So what changes have you seen along those lines, especially having run the same offense for, for 50 years and adapting to the tech technique that's needed to, um, you know, keep these guys performing at a high level, yet at the same time keeping their head out of it? Well, the hands have changed. The, the cut blocking and the hands have changed the game on offense. You can no longer, um, as in college, I was a guard. Uh, I would come out and I'd cut down the cornerback or I'd um, defense trap and cut down. You can't do that thing, so that started the safety. And then when the hands came in, we had a young man come out of uh, uh, college, out of Mankato. He started four years there and he came back to uh, home and I asked him to help coach and I asked him which do you prefer the hands or the um, the old shoulder block technique he says oh I, all I know is the hands so that's when we evolved and he basically came back he taught me um, because I played in the era where you know it was all grab the jersey hold you know forms and everything like that so uh, I had to learn, and he basically taught, and we haven't changed anything. He's uh, he spent a few years with us, some great years, and then he went into the military, and now he's back, uh, retired out of the military, and he's back coaching our offensive line, um, our defensive line, I'm sorry, now. And uh, they just use the techniques that they learned in college. We had to adjust. But the, but the hands, I think, have saved the head. The great, if you work the hands, you hardly ever get the head involved in the game. And our technique is to get inside. You have to, you know, you're, you watch the college and the pros and, and their heads up. Uh, they're looking, you know, they're looking, but the hands have got to be on, on the uh, breastplate and trying to control the, to the man and then take him where he wants to go. That's one of the things, too, you just teach. You can't. You can't take some defensive lineman where he doesn't want to go, so just push him where he's going, and the hole has to be opened, and the running back find it. But the, the rules have changed for the better of the game. Some of us old-timers didn't like them, but uh, they're for the better of the game as you go through. Keeping the head out of the game is so important. Coach, 50 years now at this end, there's there's a plan for you you mentioned to me here as uh... – You'd like to move forward. You got a, a junior and an eighth grader uh, grandsons who 
are, are playing football in the program, and uh, you'd like to see them through. So uh, there's a plan to continue this for a while. The plan right now, I can commit. I have committed to um, this year and next two years to get the oldest one through, and I'm going to have to evaluate it. I've had uh, I've had some heart problems. I have uh, I played a, a coached a whole season without a hip. I had a hip replaced and got infected, and so the whole season I was without a hip in there while the infection was cleared up. Um, my body is getting. It's, it's taken its toll. Uh, so I've got to wait and see how it can go. And I've talked to a couple of my coaches, and I said, you know, there, there's a time here. I might just come to practice and let you guys go out, and I might have to take the day off. And um, I don't do that, but uh, I think I'm going to have to start doing it to, to save my save myself, uh, save my sanity sometimes, too. But you can only do it if your body lets you to. So I've been... Two more years, and we'll reevaluate and see what happens after that. Uh, we've got some great kids coming up, uh, and I'd just like to see them through. And I'd love to see my young grandson through, but uh, I don't know. If Coach, you imparted a lot of knowledge on us in this conversation, but looking at all the things you do, uh, and you've done over the years, you know, 50 years now, going into your 50, 477 wins, 17 state championships, but you know, looking at it, what's at the heart of what you do to help your players find that winning edge? I think it just they develop a desire to be like the older ones that they've watched all the way through grade school and, and come up and want to be like them. Uh, some of them, you know, they're, they're their heroes in that. But, I, I, you know, again, I don't even think of it that way. I just do this because I still give it back to what I got from the game of football, um, you know, I probably would have been over in Vietnam if it hadn't been for football. And so consequently, uh, I'm very thankful for, to give back. But to say there's anything in particular that I work with with the kids, I can't think of anything. It just matter. I mean, I do what I, I just do, I do best. And that's being me out there in the field. And sometimes it's an ugly me. Uh, and so I've got to live with that sometimes. I go home and say, how the heck can I do that? Um, but, you know, that and, you know, the consistency that we've had, uh, um, you know, when I, Sean O'Loughlin was with me as a defensive coordinator for 40 years. Our coaching staff are, are friends. We work together, um, and, and it's enjoyable. And that's all i got to say. We try to get the kids to have fun at the game also and still be winning. I think winning is fun. And so that's one of the biggest things that we've had going for us right now. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and share some ideas with us. And I know you guys uh, are going to be getting back to it here soon. So best of luck to you and, and your team here in 2020. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Uh, um, keep, keep up the good work. we got to promote the game of football.